everybody. This is Joel Junker with Cameron Brooks, and welcome to our podcast. Our podcast, we title it Above and Beyond, a podcast to help uh, catapult your career. What we want to do is talk to people that are out working in business, um, normal people, uh, people that are moms, dads, working professionals that are in good companies that are uh, moving up in leadership positions, taking time to develop other people. And because we're a military officer recruiting firm, these are people that have served in the military and made the transition to business and, and uh, are leaders in the business world. Uh, inspired to do the podcast as we, many of us here at Cameron Brooks, listen to other podcasts like Tim Ferriss's and uh, podcasts, Art of Manliness, Andy Andrews, are some that we listen to. And uh, always really impressed with the things that we learned in, in listening to them. And what I, I realized when uh, listening to those podcasts that many of the people that they interview, these are famous people. They're authors, people that have been on television, uh, models, and certainly they're very successful. What I wanted to do with this podcast is bring it to the bring out the best and other people that are like most of the listeners. They have the same daily challenges that we have. Uh, that are shared with one another, raising children, yet working hard at work, putting long hours in, uh, traveling, uh, developing people, the challenges of trying to give feedback to other people to help them to get better, career frustrations and obstacles. And in this podcast, uh, I interview Beth Galitis. Beth served 11 years in the Air Force as an aircraft maintenance officer from 1980 to 1991. And for the last 25 years, she's been in the sales organization with uh, Johnson & Johnson. She rose all the way up to a level of what at that time titled regional sales director, where she led a team of approximately 200 people and was responsible for $440 million worth of sales. Um, she hired in, or continues to hire and mentor numerous successful military officers in her, in her career, She's also the parent of two very successful children, one of them graduating from the Merchant Marine Academy, and another today following in her footsteps is in the sales organization at Johnson & Johnson. Beth, in this about 45-minute or so uh, interview I have with her, talks about the challenge of balancing being a successful professional and a successful parent or devoting that time to being a parent. And so many of us that are parents and have that challenge and and uh, talk to many working mothers that um, are trying to navigate that. And Beth did that and shared some of her, her tips and what allowed her to do it. The importance of enjoying life's journey, um, overcoming obstacles, avoiding career burnout, and how to help others do the same. And then finally, her definition of success. Beth made a conscious decision to take a step back in her professional career about eight or nine years ago, so that she would have less responsibility, yet have more focus on customers, time to, to really, truly develop and mentor other people. And she explains why she made that decision and how not letting others or society define success for you. So thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And finally, for those of you that are thinking about transitioning from the military to the business world, I encourage you to visit us on our website at Cameron-Brooks.com. Uh, order and read uh, PCS to Corporate America, fourth edition. 
uh, which you can order from Amazon. You can read the first chapter and the introduction on our website for free. Finally, if you're not a former military officer and you just want great career advice and tips, subscribe to our blog. You can also subscribe to our um, to our quarterly career tip newsletter. All right, enjoy. Thank you. Beth Gladys' answers in this podcast are her own and not necessarily those of Johnson & Johnson. Hi, everybody. This is Joel Junker with Karen Brooks, and welcome to the Karen Brooks podcast. And uh, on this episode, we have uh, Beth Golitis, who has uh, been with uh, Johnson & Johnson in medical de- device sales uh, career and sales management for the last 25 years, and she's a former Air Force uh, officer. Uh, so, Beth, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being on the show and sharing some of your thoughts and insights on uh, on uh, professional development and and a career in business. It's my pleasure to be here, Joel. So, you know, Beth, um, as we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you, you know, Joel, I've been here 25 years now, and your career has gone from everything from being a sales representative to starting new sales forces with with Johnson & Johnson. You, you have been very successful, at least in my eyes, in what you've achieved. And not only personally, but also professionally, with what you've shared with me about your son and your daughter and your family. What I'd like to know is, because it seems to me from the outside, you've done so well. You've done just about everything right. Is if you look back to Beth Golitis making this transition when you were um, 25 years ago, uh, what would you what would you say to yourself? Well, one thing that I think back on that has really been a driving force with me is um, there's a Thomas Jefferson quote in which he stated, I am a great believer in luck. I find that the harder I work, the more that I have of it. So I truly do believe I've had a lot of luck along the way, but I also think I've, I've worked hard to, uh, to put myself in a position to be able to, to take advantage of some of that luck. So, you know, one thing I did not know 25 years ago was that there is more to it than just hard work. You know, there's a, there's a whole journey that's involved. And after 25 years, I can look back on the journey and be so appreciative of all the experiences that I've had, even some of the ones that I didn't particularly enjoy. So you know, one thing I would really say is you've got to enjoy the journey and take it for what it is. Enjoy your family along the way. Know that if you do those things, you will make the difference that you're intended to make. But you can't just have one or the other. You can't, you can't be completely career. You can't be completely family. And I'm grateful that I finally learned that, but it, it surely took me a while, I think, to uh, to gather what the right balance was. You know, there's a, uh, a TED Talk, and I don't remember the title of it because I didn't know you were going to get in, into that piece, that this guy gives a talk on work-life balance. And in it, he says, there's no such thing as work-life balance. They never balance. There's work at times, and then there's life at times. And the the idea is to figure out what part of the season that you're in. Did you find that as well in terms of, like, it was very hard to balance? I mean, you were a mom, incredibly successful. Um, did you find that there was balance, or did you find there were times that you had to completely just 
focus on work, do enough at home, or vice versa? And if so, how did you do that? What advice would you give to working moms out there to find, hey, I've got to be, I've got to work hard, but I've got to find the balance between the two? I think in large part you're exactly right. It's tough to be truly balanced. And when I've heard what some folks' definitions of balance are, I, I cringe because in my mind that's not any kind of balance. Uh, there were certainly years where my husband and I knew that he was taking up the slack and that if there was anything that was going to go on in, during the week, that he had to cover it unless we talked about it first because it was, it was all about work uh, as a number one priority at those points. Uh, that doesn't mean I neglected the kids, although sometimes I felt like I did. And uh, perhaps later I can give you an example of something that happened recently that um, that made me realize perhaps it wasn't uh, wasn't as egregious as I thought it was. But uh, I think all of us, male, female, um, married, unmarried, kids, no kids, um, there is there are some things that are required of all of us. And when we're working 70, 80% of our waking hours, you've got to have someone to take up the slack at home. Now, when, when that slack is, is more with children, it may be a spouse, a nanny, a neighbor, a grandparent, you know, whoever fits your family and location. I know when we were in Germany, we, uh, we had a neighbor that was just unbelievable, and we knew that we could depend on her to take care and, and fit in where we could not. If you have that kind of support, you can accomplish great things. Whether, you know, whether, again, whether a mom, a dad, any, any parent, and as a professional. I mean, even if you're single, um, there's still stuff that's got to get done, whether it's picking up the cleaners, whether it's getting the house clean, mowing the yard, etc. So. One thing I can say with complete confidence is that all successful people have a support system. Well, one of the things that I think would be good for our listeners here is to maybe have it would be to have some context here for for you, Beth. And I, from what I remember and following your career, that you rose to pretty high within within ethic kind of endosurgery in terms of a level of a title. What and then you you took a step. You, some people would call it a step back. Some people would talk, call it a step someplace else, whatever. But from the level of a ladder, you took a step down. So maybe you could share with us, you could tell the audience, the listeners, the level that you did reach so they understand that you did achieve the success. But then I think you should also go into that where you, what your, your son and daughter are doing now today and how successful they are. And then maybe you could share with us that story if that has context there. Okay. Um, started out as a sales rep, went into a division management role. Uh, then we moved the family to the headquarters and uh, had several roles of increasing responsibility in sales there. As you said, um, helped start up one of our, our new sales ventures there and uh, then moved back over into what we called our core business at the time. And the highest position that I achieved was called a field sales director. And as a field sales director, I had a third of the company. 
and uh, had about 150 folks working for me. Um, I had regional managers on my team who had division sales managers on their team that had sales reps on their team. Um, as I said, I had a third of the country, so I was traveling quite a bit. And uh, both my, my kids were very, very active in sports uh, as well as other things. So as you can imagine, there were a lot of those things that I just missed. And it was always painful when I missed it, but you know, I would arrange the schedule when I could and, and hope that it would be enough. And, and frankly, I was grateful that my husband was, was there for all of that. So <laughs> for years, I regretted the things I missed. And only a few months ago, um, my son was visiting. And I don't even know how the subject came up. But we got to talking about what it was like to have a mom who worked as much as she did and what he remembered of that. And again, he was, he was playing a lot of tennis, baseball, basketball. He was in a show choir. And um, without us prompting him at all, he stated that what he remembered is that I was always there for his tennis matches and ball games. And I, I mean, I seriously had to stop and take a swallow because all I could remember was when I wasn't there and what I'd missed. And all he remembered was when I was there. So. Well, it's, I, I know I'm like the host of the show. I'm not supposed to be like the listener and get a lot of value from this, from this. But I'm in that season of my life right now. Just as you're talking about this, I have my daughter's a, uh, going to be a senior in high school um, this coming year, and uh, she her favorite sports volleyball, and I love watching it. And she's going to be uh, the captain of the team this year, and I travel uh, quite a bit as well. So I I got the volleyball schedule early for, before you're supposed to get it, just so I could start planning my schedule and for the fall. And I'm going to miss over half the games. And I went and talked to my daughter and I said. You know, hey, I, I can't, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to miss half the game. And, you know, she kind of, kind of just rolled off. She's like, that's okay. It's fine. And then she asked me, are we still going on that trip at the end of the summer together, just just us? And absolutely. It's all about perspective and what your, your children need from you. But what you just said makes me feel better, that my daughter's going to remember the times that we had together, not necessarily the times that I missed. Yeah, I think if you can include them as much as you possibly can. I mean, I remember when I was a sales rep and my daughter used to sit by me and watch surgical videos together with me. And that was that was together time. And of course, she made several moves with us while we were in the Air Force and then with Ethicon as well. And when she was old enough to start contributing to decisions about when we were going to move jobs to take, et cetera, um, the big one came up, which was at the end of her freshman year of high school. And uh, I remember thinking, she's not going to want to do this at all. And I remember sitting her down and saying, I have this opportunity. This is what it would entail. We wouldn't move you again during high school. What do you think? And without hesitation, she said, if it's a good move for you, let's do it. Now, that's not to say that there weren't some trials when we first moved. There were. But uh, again, getting them back involved in whatever they had been involved in 
previously, uh, I think really, really helped. Uh, for us, it was a lot of athletics, a lot of music things. And, uh, you know, one other just piece of advice for folks, when you do move, um, I think a lot of folks think that it, maybe it makes sense to move right after school's out. And definitely, you know, try to move when you've got a little break from school. But we actually chose to move at the end of the summer so that they still had their friends there. And then we moved to the, to the new place um, the three times that we moved uh, about two weeks before activities were to begin. So they could become acclimated, but they didn't have a lot of time to think, oh gosh, I've got nothing to do. I don't have any friends here, et cetera. And then after just a few days of them being there, they were immediately put back into activities where they made new friends very quickly. And and now your your daughter's in medical device sales as well, taking after you. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, she actually uh, works for the same company I do. She works with Ethicon, and she's uh, uh, just recently promoted to field sales trainer and uh, a territory account lead with Ethicon. So you can imagine so all that the, the fun conversations that leads to. It, so all those watching the surgical videos with you when she was like 10, they paid <laughs> off. Well, something apparently stuck. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you think about um, successful people, your own career, your own children, what do you, how would you define success? I know that's a very loose, open-ended question, but how do you define it? Well, my, my definition of success has changed dramatically over the, uh, in especially I would say the last 15 years. Um, I think early on I, I really thought that success was all about, you know, how you did at work and my entire identity was wrapped up in work. I certainly wanted to be a good parent and I wanted to have great kids and a fantastic marriage. But now that I can, I can look back on it and I look at some of the decisions I made early versus some of the ones I made a little bit later, um, I think that uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into success. Uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about that first. Uh, truly successful people aren't too proud or reluctant to learn from anybody, whether it's the person um, cleaning the restrooms or some, somebody else that's on your team, somebody that you interview, the day that I quit learning will be the day that I'm done. It's, that's what keeps it fun for me. So um, that's, I think, a big part of what can make you successful. But I think why I feel successful now is because I have achieved every career goal I ever had and, and then some, frankly. But then I had the opportunity to go back and do what I truly loved the most. Um, I made a choice to be happy. And it wasn't that I was unhappy before, but I resisted holding on to what others tell you makes you successful. So others might tell you that the next promotion or more money um, are going to make you more successful, are going to make you happier. They might even tell you that you'll be able to have a bigger impact 
in some of these other jobs? Well, I've actually found that, at least for me, the opposite was true. I didn't need the title. I didn't need any additional money, which really wouldn't have changed my life substantially anyway. What I needed was to do the kinds of work that made me happier. And I remember when I first took the big step down, I remember someone said to me, you must be thrilled. You've got all this extra time now because you're not in this, in this particular job. And I said, well, actually, I don't have any more time than I had. I'm working just as hard as I ever was, but because I enjoy the work that I'm doing so much more, there's something left of me at the end of the day. And because there's something left of me at the end of the day, there's something left of me to do the things that I really enjoy. So whether that was spending time with my husband now that the kids are gone, spending time with the kids, going and seeing what they were doing when, uh, when they were still at home, uh, whether it's playing an extra tennis match or reading a few extra chapters in a book. It's, it's all there, and at the end of the day, I still feel great about doing it. I'm not completely worn out. Yeah, I think there's, for the listeners here, it might not be obvious to them, I, to me, because I know I was here at Cameron Brooks when you made that choice, but I think what's been left out is that you said you went to regional sales director. You had regional managers, the division managers, third of the company. You you went from a conscious decision to go from the regional sales director to the division, back to the division level. And Beth, is it not only for the family piece, but isn't it wasn't it also for you part of that piece so that you could mentor, have more of an ability to mentor and develop other people individually? It's so funny that you say that because, again, there were a number of folks that said, you know, you have such an impact at this level. Why would you want to lessen your impact by going, you know, taking these steps back? Well, I, I, really didn't, I really didn't know what kind of an impact I would have at the lower level. But what I found was that at the higher levels, the impact is more superficial. It's, uh, it's tough to go deep with a number of people when you've got 150 folks on your team. It's also tough for many of those 150 folks to have the courage to come talk to you about things they'd really like to engage in. So when I moved back, what I found was that folks that I had, had really respected, whether they were peers um, or subordinates, whatever the case may be, uh, they were much more free to speak with me then uh, because they didn't feel like I was in a position th that I would feel they were bothering me. And so, Do you think it's possible at that level, at the level you were as an RSD regional sales director, to create an environment where people to say, I know I'm in this level, but there is opportunity to come talk to me. There is opportunity to raise issues with me, regardless of whatever level. Do you think that that's possible? I think it's possible to a certain degree. I just think that there are always, uh, I think there's always a fairly large subset of those folks that will never trust that that could possibly be true. 
I mean, we all think, we all, we all put our leaders on a pedestal. And uh, I think that, that that pedestal is often in our own minds, not, uh, not where they truly are. And certainly, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have in-depth weekly conversations with all of those folks, but I certainly could have done it with more than I did. And there were those that, um, that I did engage with in that way. But again, when I, when I moved back down to the different level, they were much more comfortable engaging me. And uh, what I also wondered, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but as you, as you go through, as you go through the ranks, whether you're in the military, whether you're in corporate America or whatever, you learn so much in every role that you have. You learn things that you would do differently. You learn things that you would do the same. But, you, but you're learning. And uh, I always wondered, wow, what kind of a job could I do as a regional manager or as a division sales manager Knowing what I know now, how could I go back and just kill it in that job? I mean, amazing, right? Could I could I sell like there's no tomorrow? And uh, to to great degree, that's been true. All that experience uh, has been wonderful, and it's so much easier for me to share it with people now um, because number one, they're much more apt to ask. They're probably much more apt to listen um, because they know that I that I have done a lot of those things. So, and I'm very um, I'm very upfront with them too. I will I absolutely share with them now. If I could do it differently, this this might be what I did a little bit differently. What are some of the things that you do with your team members, your individuals that that you specifically do to develop them? That maybe some of us out here that can learn from you on how to take time to develop other people. Well, development takes on uh, takes on many different looks, and I really I really don't know that any particular company does a great job of developing everyone. I think many good companies have a development style that will fit a group of employees, uh, but not necessarily another. So I think the first thing you've got to do is, is really understand what they're interested in. And many of them are not interested in being promoted. Many of them are interested in being as successful as they can possibly be in the role that they're in, while maintaining um, you know, a nice standard of living, feeling like they're making a difference, etc. So I, again, I think the first thing you've got to do is determine what do they really want to do. And I've always encouraged folks, please don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. I will help develop you to do whatever it is you want to do. If you'd like to be a division manager, a vice president, if you want to be the best sales rep you can be, but please be honest with me because that will have everything to do with, um, with how we develop. So it can be something as simple as having them uh, read some books and observe some spe specific people. Um, we have some folks that are great at the actual selling process, but they don't really 
observe their customers and determine what their customers really need versus what they want to sell them. So some of these books that I talk about, um, emotional intelligence, uh, integrity selling, those kinds of things, uh, I, I really think they can go a long way to somebody that's truly interested in adapting their styles. I think that can go a long way. So, you know, that's a very simple thing, but that can go a long way. I think, too, sometimes, particularly with newer reps, particularly with JMOs, uh, if they haven't had sales experience, and most of them haven't, it's so key with a JMO that they are set up with the right trainer mentor, examples, teammates to follow and emulate day by day by day. I mean, I hate to think um, how much longer it might have taken me to find success if I did, even if I did, if I hadn't had some of those great role models to model myself after. So sometimes it can be, you know, giving up, say, you know what, I'm taking you out of your territory for these two days. And I want you to go just spend time with this person. I want you to notice what they do, how they do it, et cetera, and figure out which of those things will fit well with your style. And then you take what works, and the rest you set aside. So I think that's one of the things of development. You know, Then there's obviously, whether it's school time, uh, whether it's company-sponsored courses, uh, there's so much that you can do online these days, as you know. And uh, I, again, I just think it's about determining what people really want to do. But you've always got that group of folks that they think they should tell you that they want to be promoted, or that they think they should tell you that they want your job someday. And that's great. I try to hire people that I can see myself working for. But, um, but it doesn't do anybody any good when you're not honest with your manager, with your mentor, et cetera, about what you really want to do. And if you don't know, it's okay to say that too. When, as you've developed and you've been coaching people, especially in sales where, uh, I think in any career, I think just sales is more focused on how there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be a bad month. And there could even be a year where you just, no matter what you do, you just can't hit that goal. What do you have you had people that you've led before, Beth, that have come to you and just said, I've hit a wall? Or you've looked at them, you could tell they've hit a wall, just the way they're acting. And, and I've hit a wall, and I'm thinking about throwing in the towel. I'm thinking about giving up. I don't want to. You look at them and think, well, I don't want this person to give up. Have you ever had somebody like that? And if so, would you tell them? And if you did, have you ever had that happen to you? I can't imagine that, that there's anyone that hasn't had that happen at some point, and, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful that I've actually, I've actually come, come to that point at one time, uh, because I do. I think it, it makes me more effective in being able to have that conversation with others. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how it's, it's more about a journey than just a job that you are in at any given time. Uh, sometimes you hit that wall not because of something that's not going well in your territory or whatever. I've known folks that were top 10% in the country that all of a sudden you could tell it was like somebody somebody took the air out of the balloon. 
And uh, what I found is that many times it just means for whatever reason, they're just not happy in their work right then. I think it's really important that that whether it's whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's someone else, that you study the situation for a few weeks to ensure it's not just a transient issue because of a specific project, a personal issue, a hospital that's closed and, and you lost all those sales for the short period of time. I think it's really important that you say, okay, so what is it that I can do? What can I control? And, um, you know, when you, when you when you determine what it is you can control, I mean, it may be that it's just time for you to move into a different job. Now, I'm fortunate. I'm in a company where there's a lot of different jobs in different parts of the company, so you don't necessarily have to leave the company to move into um, into a different job. Uh, and I, I think that's always preferable if you can find something like that. But again, after you study the situation, you percolate on it a little bit, you've got to have those candid conversations with the, with your with your boss, your mentors, your family, and say, what is it that I really want to do? And it's like, you know what? It may be that this will pass. And if it will pass, then as I said earlier, you find what you can control, and maybe you're getting killed in one category of your compensation plan. And so then maybe you find, okay, but is there another part of the compensation plan that I can really drive that won't be affected? And, and you may not make as much money that year, but what you may find is that you will have so much pride in what you did control and what you did drive in the face of the other adversity that you may look back on it as one of the most successful years that you ever had. But I think I think the first first and foremost again you've got to whether whether personally or in advising others you've got to say okay let's step back let's really think about this let's determine what the cause is if this is a a fatal flaw if you will or if it's something that we can work through. You mentioned a couple books and um, earlier. I've got a book that I want to share with you that uh, I think will be helpful. It goes back to this piece on control, and it's called Grit. And there's a great TED Talk on this as well. Um, so just Google TED Talk Grit, Angela Duckworth. Uh, but it talks about how the passion, you're interested in something, perseverance, that you're willing to persevere over that wall, and hope, that the hope that, hey, today may not have gone well, but I'm in control. There's things that I can do to make things better, and I can make tomorrow a better day. And those three things together are the contributing factors to being a gritty person, meaning I can overcome the obstacles, I can achieve success even, even when I'm faced with adversity. But when people often give up is they give up when they when they think, I don't have any control over this anymore. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing I can do differently. And um, they end up actually being depressed, more anxious, and then also ultimately not reaching their goals. So that would be a book I would recommend for you and your team as well and also for our listeners. Well, and to add to that just a little bit as well, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but uh, Andy Andrews, who wrote The Traveler's Gift as well as many other books, has a list of what he calls the seven decisions. 
and the seventh decision is I will persist without exception. I will find a way where there is no way. And uh, a few years ago when we would had a particularly good sales year and um, we had the opportunity to reflect back on that, um, we had kind of used that as our mantra for the year. And it was like, you know, just because you go into an appointment, success doesn't mean that you actually sold something. It may mean that you got permission for the next appointment. It may mean that you got permission to bring a different product in the next time. It may mean, but so many people, to your point, will quit on a goal when success was just around the corner. But you have to continue to persist. But I look forward to reading that book. I've not heard of it, and I look forward to reading it. All right, so just the last couple questions, kind of random, kind of random things, type of thing that I haven't quite got into. What's the best advice that you've ever received? I think that it, you can choose to be happy. Resist holding on to what others tell you is important if you're not happy. Yeah, maybe it goes back to what you said before, Beth. Sorry to interrupt, but what you said before is that society tells you what happiness and success is. Mm-hmm. But you, get, you can choose what happiness and success is. Society doesn't need to do that for you. And I think we so have to do that. And I think it's in so many cases, it's about having professional courage. I see so many folks that are afraid to say what needs to be said. And uh, if there is one thing other than just hard work that has helped me be successful, I think that is one of the biggest differentiators is because I've always I've always been willing to say what I really thought needed to be said. Even you know, always tried to say it in a in a correct, respectful manner. But there have been a number of defining moments over the years where a vice president said something in front of a room that just wasn't quite right or uh, a peer said something and um, and I took the opportunity to stand up and I said well I think what you meant to say was because when you've when you've got a room full of impressionable folks that are hanging on your every word you can't afford to say something that could be misconstrued um, and could have long-term negative benefits on your company um, your teams, etc. So I, I think that is, there aren't a lot of people that are comfortable doing that. And I think if you can be comfortable doing that and do it in the appropriate manner, it will take you a long, long way. When you look at your career, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, your, your family's grown, you've got successful children, you have moved up to the top 5-10% within one of America's most admired companies. You continue to work today, you continue to do, to, to manage a team. What is it that when you get out of bed most mornings, you start your day, what is it that motivates you? What is it that drives you, Beth, to be successful, to continue to work, to continue to achieve? I love what I do. 
I love who I do it with. I often think to myself, there's so many products in so little time. But it goes, it goes a lot deeper than that. Uh, when I look at the folks on my team, when I look at my peers, when I look at even the folks that are um, the same level of the person that I work for now, I want to help other people achieve the dreams, the goals that I was able to achieve. I, there's nothing that makes me happier now than to hear that somebody that I hired however many years ago just became the VP of a Johnson & Johnson company or just got promoted into a director role or just closed a huge healthcare system and we got their business. And I think sometimes it's all about the courage, giving them the courage to do things they, they probably never thought possible. I've had others that have done that for me. And at this point in my career, I just want to do that for others. I uh, really appreciate you taking more than an hour between the conversations before today and this afternoon and to, to be on the show, Beth. And um, Hope to have you back at some point, maybe diving deeper into some of these subjects that we went over. But thanks for being on. You know, we'll, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much.